listening to iOS Dev Break, 15 minutes of current events, tips, and advice for iOS developers, including, but not limited to, discussions of Swift, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS. Welcome to the new experiment, which is iOS Dev Commute. I am your host, Evan Stone, and this time I am going to be uh, on my commute home from from work. And uh, the work that I'm doing right now, especially this week, has been really interesting. Uh, been doing a lot of work with core image filters and uh, even some core ML and vision framework. Uh, core graphics so there's just been a lot of stuff going on right now as I am doing some work for a, uh, a product that we are enhancing unfortunately I can't really talk too much about it but uh, it's uh, awesome stuff that we're working on um, and it, it's all in Swift 4 which is also really cool a lot of fun and I'm in, sure I'm enjoying it. And it's nice to be back in the saddle doing Swift 4 as opposed to React Native. Uh, I think most of my React Native skills I've already forgotten by now. So, so we have some follow-up this week. And that is all about the Swift Weekly Brief that was done by Jesse Squires. And uh, on the last show, we mentioned how... Natasha the Robot had ended her newsletter and also that Jesse Squires had put on hiatus the Swift Weekly Brief, Um, but he was looking for someone to take it over and sure enough, um, someone by the name of uh, Boss Brook, I believe is how his name is pronounced, Uh, as close as I can get. But anyway, uh, so he's going to take it over, and uh, the great thing is that it's going to survive, and it will be every other Thursday. So uh, that's great. So so Swift Weekly Brief, it will continue. So that's really great news. And um, I'll put the the tweet that Jesse Squires put out regarding the status of that, and I'll put that in the the show notes. And uh, let's see, we got some other interesting things. Oh, oh, uh, with regard to tips and tricks this week, uh, I'm not going to say too much about it, but one of the things that's super handy in Xcode is to be able to edit your breakpoints, and I've seen this particular link pop up all over, like on uh, iOS Dev Weekly, which you should totally subscribe to if you are not subscribed to. You should definitely subscribe to that newsletter. It is awesome. Um, And there's always good uh, tips, tricks, and uh, information news for iOS uh, and Swift macOS developers. So uh, I encourage you to uh, sign up for that and uh, you'll get some good information uh, from that. Um, But Anyway, getting back to the the news item, um, there is an article that is all about editing breakpoints in Xcode. And this is a technique, um, if you're not familiar with it, uh, you can uh, actually... Breakpoints are not just breakpoints. They are, uh, in other words, places where you stop during debugging, but they also have other functionality that you can do, and you can make them conditional. You can... Uh, have the have Xcode 
do uh, some pretty amazing things like you can have it talk to you, you can have it make a sound uh, when certain things happen, uh, when certain conditions are met. So, uh, so check that, that article out. It's, uh, it's always handy to have a list or to have a reference for the breakpoints and what you can do with them in Xcode. And uh, it's just kind of like a little pro tip for you uh, to be able to use. So I uh, hope that that is useful, and they, I will put the link to that in the show notes. Um, the next thing is a business tip and uh, or business-related uh, item. Uh, this is about the App Store guidelines that have re- relaxed their restrictions. Now, this is something that goes back a while, and um, I think I may have talked about it uh, before, um, but I, if I didn't, I apologize, but I, I kind of backburnered this particular topic, uh, because when it first came out, it really disturbed me. And then they, then Apple relaxed the guidelines. So the background on this is that, um, a few months ago, uh, or maybe it was back in June, uh, boy, I don't even know when exactly this came out, but, uh, Apple basically came out and said that anyone who is using, templated apps um, that they will be they will start to be denied um, and be rejected so uh, to me you know this uh, I'm sure this uh, this particular topic has been hashed out several times uh, by other podcasts but I just kind of wanted to throw my two cents in which is that um, while I am a professional Swift uh, iOS and now Mac OS developer and uh, I enjoy creating my own I uh, just like I, I am not above um, using a template solution if one existed I've, I've never used one but it, if there wasn't one out there that that uh, I would be able to just customize that that got me 80% of what I needed to do and then I just filled in the, the remaining 20% then uh, I think that might be a good a good solution. Um, uh, conversely, the other thing was, you know, most people were thinking about in terms of uh, like uh, restaurants, uh, small businesses who needed to be able to put out their own apps, and that's that's basically the the way that they could do it is through a templated app. And uh, so it just made me a little sad that Apple would do that. Um, I understand why they're doing it, and. It makes sense that they would want to have some kind of restrictions against uh, spamming multiple types of cookie-cutter apps that just clutter up the App Store, and that I understand. But um, as, as an entrepreneur with side projects, that I, I, which I feel are very, very important for people to do, um, and we know that uh, it's, it's a mobile-first world out there, it uh, really seems like that it was kind of a draconian restriction to put on uh, developers to, uh, because especially ones who are uh, honest and uh, trying to build a business, um, maybe they're not necessarily programmers, app developers, or any of that, but they just want to put an app out, and that should be okay, and let the let the market decide. But. Thankfully, uh, just to mention, there was so this was a uh, an article on Mac Rumors that came out, and uh, in the updated restrictions, the nice thing is that uh, Apple did 
ease up on the restrictions. And so now they will allow templated apps, but they have to be submitted by the app developer themselves. And I think that makes sense. I guess there are certain companies or businesses that will post an app in behalf of someone else, but that just doesn't make sense, especially in in light of what we discussed last week, which is, um, you know, transferring your app, transferring your app business, or getting acquired, any of those kind of scenarios. Uh, You really want to have your own Apple developer account and by extension iTunes uh, Connect account so that you have all of your ducks in a row. And uh, so I guess this new ruling uh, makes makes sense. I'm uh, surprised that people were were not doing that before, um, especially since uh, 100 bucks is uh, a small price to pay really in the long run. Uh, when you're talking about trying to grow your your business, so uh, so hopefully people will take up uh, Apple on on the uh, this new regulation or uh, ruling, and that uh, they'll be able to get their apps built and put put up even if they're built on templates. And so anyway, um, that was probably a very long-winded discussion of uh, the the topic, and I apologize for that. But this is a beautiful drive that I'm on right now, and it is a gorgeous day, and um, so I'm talking a lot. So uh, anyway, we'll probably go over our 15-minute uh, limit on this this particular show, but that's okay. It's, uh, we're trying out something new here. Um, if you have uh, anything that you would like discussed, if you have questions or if you have a topic that you like uh, me to, to discuss or comment on, uh, feel free to bring that up because that would be uh, kind of fun to be able to uh, respond to any questions that you have. And uh, the way, the best way to do that is to send a tweet to iOS Dev Break. So that's at sign iOS Dev Break on Twitter. That's the best way to submit feedback. And uh, I would like to thank. There's a couple of individuals. Um, that were kind enough to uh, send um, some feedback after the last episode, so I appreciate that very much. Uh, I don't have your name in front of me right now, so and I'm not going to try to look it up while I'm driving. So thank you, and please send feedback. Let me know how you like the show, if you like the show. And that is it. I think that is all we have for... Uh, that's all we have time for this week. Let me know if you like the iOS Dev Commute because uh, this may end up being a standard format for me where I will just have to record uh, as I am driving home and so we can have a little chat on the on the way to work or home from work. And uh, I might actually, you know, maybe I'll span this over a couple days or something like that and bring up some, some things that I've been working on that or challenges. Uh, like one of the things that I ran into de- to today, I'm not quite sure what was going on with it, but if I do the core graphics blend mode called uh, difference on two images, I notice that the result was different than if I do roughly the same uh, operation using core image, using core images, um, CI difference blend mode, I think is what it's called. So if I, if I use uh, core image, it, it, it's, it's slightly different, and I was surprised by that uh, because I thought it was a a purely mathematical operation that was going on there, pixel by pixel. 
but it turns out if you know with the, even with the same image sources uh, you get slightly different uh, re results so that was kind of a little that was a little surprise a little weird um, so I guess uh, that, I guess I'll have to do a little bit more research and maybe I'll have some follow-up later on the reason for that if I can find the reason for that or if you know the reason for it please let me know just uh, send me uh, just send a tweet to iOS dev break or you can send it to me directly at Evan K Stone on uh, on Twitter either of those will work and uh, we'll get the job done so I thought that was kind of an interesting sort of a head scratcher um, it was more interesting it was more interesting than anything and uh, well I take it back it was a little little annoying at first and it still is um, but I think uh, the, the interesting thing is that the uh, at least in my case uh, the core image version rendered much faster uh, when in doing the, the blend mode. So um, at least I think it was that. I think it was the, the core image filter seemed to be very much more efficient than doing the difference blend mode with core graphics. And uh, so um, that was not surprising to me. Um, but uh, I probably should do a few more tests on that just to make sure. So, anyway, core graphics, core image, and uh, also the, the core ML stuff, the core and vision framework. That is uh, kind of amazing. And this is one of these situations where I, it was funny because I had a conversation with Paul Hudson. Uh, this is several months ago. This is when I was thinking about uh, really needing to look for different opportunities, new opportunities, uh, a new job, and uh, we, we had a little uh, chat, and it was, uh, it was Paul who said, you know, you really need to be thinking about Core ML because that is going to be the next hot thing, and, um, and I, I was, while I agreed, and I still do, um, while I agreed at the time, I just didn't see myself actually doing Core ML or having any uh, any need for it or you know especially since uh, as Janie Clayton always says 90% of the apps that we do is taking data and shoving it into table views which uh, usually is the case but then fast forward a few months here and now I'm in this position uh, where I am doing stuff that I have never done before and I am doing video processing and it turns out that uh, one of the things that is really uh, helpful in the, the situation that I'm doing is uh, I wanted to be able to do face detection and so uh, it turns out face detection with the vision framework works really fast and it is nothing short of miraculous it is amazing and uh, so you can very easily pick out the number of faces in an image and excuse me you can very easily pick out an, the uh, collection of faces in an image draw bounding boxes around them and uh, it, it basically simulates what you see in the camera app when you hold it up and it detects faces so that's probably what they're doing under the hood um, but being able to couple those techniques technologies, the Vision Framework, even though Vision Framework just kind of uses that, uh, it's not necessarily like Core ML, um, but then you can start using Vision Framework in conjunction with Core ML and being able to do fancier detections. Um, 
So one of the things that I was able to, to do uh, is to be able to detect objects in uh, a scene, whether it's a car or a park bench or those kinds of things. And, um, and, the, and it, it'll give you a level of confidence as to what, what those things are. And, and then you can uh, either, in my case, what I was doing, there were only a handful of things that I was interested in. So, uh, so I would just have CoreML tell me what's in the, in the picture. So, um, anyway, very cool stuff. And uh, so, Paul, you were right. Uh, CoreML is uh, pretty awesome, and uh, it's remarkably easy to use, too. In, in only a handful of lines, you're able to do some very, very powerful things. Uh, I'm not doing anything with generating models or creating custom models or um, doing any uh, imports or conversions yet. But I could see where that might come into play uh, when I want to start using some of the the, the non-default core ML models that are available, that are floating around out there. Um, so th there's, there's tons out there. There's a lot that are open source. Uh, so then that means that you can't really use them for commercial purposes, but you could probably use them for your research. And then uh, presumably if there's a licensing deal or something like that that you could work out with them to be able to license that. So uh, at any rate, um, check it out, uh, the, the demos. Also, I would highly recommend if you have not done any uh, exploration into CoreML and the Vision Framework that you watch the Vision Framework video from WWDC 2017 because uh, that will show you how to integrate v Vision Framework that will show you how to integrate Vision Framework and CoreML together, and uh, the the two make a very powerful, powerful uh, combination. So, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening to iOS Dev Break, the iOS Dev Commute Edition Volume One. Uh, we'll figure out how we're going to number that. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time on iOS Dev Break. Thank you for listening to iOS Dev Break with your host, Evan K. Stone. If you would like to learn more information about the podcast or read the show notes, or if you would like to hear more episodes, go to iosdevbreak.com. You can also find various other ways of supporting the show there, so we encourage you to check it out. You can also follow and tweet feedback and questions to the show on Twitter at iosdevbreak, and please spread the word. We'd really appreciate it. If you would also like to support the show in a monetary way, please go to patreon.com forward slash iOS dev break. And there you can find out how to help us out just for a dollar a month. If you are interested in sponsoring a future episode, please send an email to sponsor at iOS And if you would like to advertise a job posting on iOS dev break, please send an inquiry email to podcast at iOS We'd like to see those come in and uh, perhaps help some other developers get uh, get employment. And uh, if you want to help them out, then you can advertise on the show. Thank you again for listening to iOS Dev Break. And until next week, we will catch you on the flip side. iOS Dev Break is a production of Interactive Logic. 